2: now
3: Now, noblegoldinvestments.com. This performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision.
4: Hello, everybody. Happy Halloween. Happy Sunday. Well, a fierce battle is underway across the United States on whether you can make up your own mind about getting the needle in the arm or whether Biden can force you to. Uh, the number of states now suing the Biden administration over this issue has now grown this past week to 19 as Florida is the latest to sue in federal court. Also a big win for federal employees this past week. Um, when a DC uh, federal district court judge ruled that, if you are claiming a religious exemption as a federal contract employee, you cannot be fired by the Biden administration. Um, your your religious exemption uh, must stand, and it must must be heard. So, if you have a pending religious exemption case, then then you have the right to not get fired by Biden. So this is this is big. Uh, but the, the rest of the states are fighting for each, each individual who works for a company of a hundred or more employees right now. And we're going to see what happens with that. We've already heard about, you know, hospital workers getting fired and then the looming threat of airlines, uh, airline employees getting fired. We're also going to get into the history of, of, uh, Needle mandates. We're calling it needle mandates now. I keep switching my code words as YouTube catches on to me. So needle, the history of needle mandates, it goes, it goes back to a Supreme Court um, ruling in 1905 in regards to smallpox. We're going to talk about that and, and what precedent that set. Uh, it set a creepy precedent that later Supreme Court justices used to enforce uh, eugenics and forced sterilization in the 1920s. America was taking a dark Turn and and perhaps it was Nazi Germany who who stopped America in their tracks and be like, wow, we don't want to follow Hitler's lead. Uh, but for whatever reason, he, America never fully went down that creepy road that Germany did and America kind of got back to its constitution. So we're going to look at at the history of the twentieth 20th century in the United States. Very interesting stuff. Before we get to that, I want to shout out my sponsor for this video. If you have been keeping up with the news, or even if you haven't, you might have heard the word tapering being used a lot. It is the new Fed buzzword, and you will hear all kinds of meaning for it. But what it really means is Washington has to repay about $30 trillion in borrowed money And guess where that is coming from? Yep, your pocket. Janet Yellen said, we'd never see another financial crisis in our lifetimes when she ran the Fed. Now, just four years later, she is warning of catastrophe. And here we are, our our friends at Noble Gold can keep you safe and protect you whatever happens next. By starting a precious metals IRA or 401k, you can fight the coming wave of inflation. Well, we're in the middle of that wave right now. And ride out the storm with your savings intact. And as a bonus and a thank you, you get a free five ounce solid silver America the Beautiful bullion coin with each uh, qualifying plan you start this month. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com or call them at 877-646-5347. That is 877-646-5347. Ain't that the truth in regards to inflation? I don't know if you guys follow Tommy Laren on Instagram, but she just posted a hilarious slideshow of herself dressed as a let's go brand and cheerleader in front of outrageously high gas prices, outrageously high, like bread in the grocery store and all these, all these inflationary costs. And she's cheering, let's go, Brandon, (laughs) because, you know, that's what's happening in the Biden administration. Crazy inflation. Okay. So let's, let's get into, um, the latest, actually, a, a CBS Boston is is reporting over the weekend on uh, the latest states to to jump in with lawsuits, um, and say, look, we we want our citizens in these states to make up their own minds about getting the needle. It says Florida sued on Thursday, bringing the uh, bringing to the nineteen the number of states challenging the Biden administration mandate in four federal courts. Uh, Biden has argued the sweeping needle mandates, uh, will help end the deadly, the deadly, um, epidemic, but Republicans nationwide have opposed the needle requirements and have threatened to bring similar legal challenges. I'm trying to read in code words, you guys. So, but the headline here is, uh, New Hampshire among the states suing Biden administration over needle mandate for federal contractors And it's like, okay, I think about New Hampshire. I'm like, you guys better because whenever I see a New Hampshire license plate, it says live free or die. That is the New Hampshire slogan. And that is a pretty serious slogan, live free or die. Would you rather have safety and security or the freedom to possibly die? That is what we are dealing with now in the 21st century is is how much do you love freedom? Do you you love freedom enough to die for it or to risk death? Or do you want to uh, feel cozy and safe and protected by your governmental blanket? So New Hampshire is saying, you know what, we're going to live by our license plate and And it says here 18 states, including New Hampshire, filed three separate lawsuits Friday to stop President Joe Biden's needle mandate for federal contractors, arguing that the requirement violates federal law. Attorney generals for New Hampshire, Alaska, Arkansas, Iowa, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, North Dakota, South Dakota and Wyoming signed on to one lawsuit which was filed in federal district court in Missouri. Another group of states, including Georgia, Alabama, Idaho, Kansas, South Carolina, Utah, and West Virginia, filed a lawsuit in federal district court in Georgia. All right. It also says Texas sued individually on Friday. You know, those Texans, they're so independent. They think they're their own nation. I've been a Texan myself for four years. So, you know, Texans are really proud of it. We're, we're doing it on our own. Um, Someone saying here, I will, uh, I'm reading your comments now, not willing to die for it, but I am willing to kill for it. You know, <laughs> you know, someone I interviewed recently for a segment I'm working on, uh, said like, if you are willing to die for your cause, you should also be willing to kill for your cause. What do you guys think of that? It's a pretty controversial statement. And, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, all these uh, January Six people and and Trump supporters are like, oh, we are only peaceful. We are only peaceful. Um, is this live? Yes, this is live. So hopefully, YouTube doesn't deplatform me by saying this. But um, you know what? This this thing about being willing to die for your cause—that means you're willing to fight for your cause, which possibly means you're willing to kill for your cause um that is the big controversy so new hampshire new hampshire slogan live free or die it goes on to say in a statement announcing the lawsuit new hampshire attorney general john formella said that well well uh needles are safe and effective the state does not agree with the mandates okay this comes the same week that we have um this big win for federal employees who want to claim a religious exemption to the needle. And uh, the not, the Yahoo News article on this says, uh, hey, YouTube likes Yahoo News, okay? So YouTube, we're citing Yahoo News today, so don't deplatform me. It says here, uh, the court also ordered the defendants in the Biden administration, including all the secretaries of departments in the executive branch, to send a memo on Friday confirming that they will not discipline or terminate staff while the issue is still being adjudicated. This is in regards to staffers, federal staffers who've been mandated by their department heads in the federal government to get the needle, and they're saying, hey, "I, my religion... It says otherwise. Uh, and it says here that now um, the judge is ordering these these department executives in the Biden administration to send a memo confirming that they will not discipline these employees for claiming a religious exemption. It says, according to the statement, quote, plaintiffs, along with hundreds of thousands of other federal employees and active duty service members, will be terminated, discharged, or separated on or before November 22nd, 2021. Quote, the Biden administration has shown an unprecedented cavalier attitude toward the rule of law and an utter, utter ineptitude at basic constitutional con- contours, the plaintiff's attorney, Michael Yoder, said. This combination is dangerous to American liberty, he added. Quote, thankfully, Our constitution protects and secures the right to remain free from religious persecution and coercion with this order. We are one step closer to putting the Biden administration back in its place by limiting government to its enumerated powers. It's time citizens and courts said no to tyranny. The constitution does not need to be rewritten. It needs to be re-read. What do you guys think of that? What a statement that the, that is the plaintiff's, uh, the, uh, plaintiff's attorney. Uh, So the attorney for the federal employees who are suing the Biden administration saying we have the right to not get the needle if we do not want to. Okay. Reading your comments here. (laughs) All right. So guys, I want to get into some history now. There's, this is a very interesting History of these mandates in in America starting in nineteen o five so in nineteen o one a smallpox epidemic swept the United States the northeast specifically um, every well a lot of people were catching smallpox now. What do we believe in the history books? How accurate are the history books? That's a real question. If if we go to history.com, they tell an interesting story about one one of the trailblazers for individual liberty in regards to getting the needle. Um, his name was Henning Jacobson. He was ac- actually, I guess, a pastor uh, who was originally, uh, he's I guess he's from the Boston area. He was originally from Sweden. And when he's about six years old in Sweden, he was, you know, forced to get, I mean, what rights do you have as a six-year-old? He was made to get, get the, the needle. Um, Well, it, back then it wasn't a needle. They would actually like scrape your skin and put the live, they would, they would take some of the live um, disease from an infected person, a dying smallpox victim's body. And they would, they would scrape open your skin and then put some of that into your arm. It was just so, gnarly. And then hopefully you would have a small reaction, build immunity and be good against smallpox. Now, according to the FDA, the death rate from smallpox, if you are infected, is 30%. That's really horrific compared to the United States with the current illness uh, that everyone's talking about. Um, The death rate from that at last check, I think was about 1.2 1.8% 1.8% in the United States. I know a lot of you guys say, oh, okay, the, the, it's a 99.98% survival rate. That's, that's not right. If you're, if you're doing the math on total population versus death, maybe so. But we're talking about the population of people who have been affected, infected versus the amount who've been affected and then died. And that death rate in the United States, according to CDC data, last check I believe was about 1.8%, which is remarkably lower than the 30% death rate from from smallpox, which is part of why um, the lo- local jurisdictions in the Boston area wanted to mandate um Um, the needle, I'm going to call it the needle because, uh, I don't want to use trigger words. So even though it wasn't a needle back then, I don't know if by 1901 they were using needles, but earlier, uh, they were just scraping your skin and sticking some, some pussy illness in there. Pretty disgusting. Um, so, so this, uh, this case of smallpox sweeping the Boston area and, um, It says here in 1901, 1,596 people had smallpox. And then in Boston alone, 270 people died from smallpox between 1901 and 1903. Now, if you do the math on that, that is not a 30% death rate. So what's the real stat on that? I don't know. Nevertheless, the government health officials freaked out and said, we need to create herd um, immunity. And so we are going to mandate that you get the needle. And this, this man, a Swedish immigrant who came to the United States for liberty is suddenly like, okay, I had a horrific immunization. I mean, a lot of these people who would get Uh, The needle for smallpox would end up getting severe reactions and even bad cases of smallpox when they were just trying to get, um, uh, I don't know the code word, but you know what I mean? They were just trying to prevent themselves dying from it. And then they almost died from just getting the needle and this guy Henning when he was six years old, Jacobson, he, he had a horrific case uh, a, a horrific reaction from getting the needle against smallpox. And then he comes to the United States, he's an adult and now they're trying to make him get the needle again. And he's like, I, I thought this was land of the free and like bodily auto- autonomy. So he's like, heck no, I am fighting this in court. Um, and so he filed a lawsuit It was initially rejected. And so he took it all the way to the Supreme court. Um, Yeah. He, according to him, he experienced great and extreme suffering from his six year old experience with the needle against smallpox. And um, it was getting, it was getting pretty intense. Uh, The epidemic was sweeping the Northeast between 1901 and 1903. And so it says here, uh, well, the, the Cambridge needle order was compulsory. It wasn't a forced needle. People like Jacobson, who refused to get the needle, faced a $5 fine, the equivalent of nearly $150 today. Um, On July 17, 1902, Dr. Spencer Spencer issued a criminal complaint against Jacobson and other anti-needle activists to collect that $5 fine. So you only had to pay $150 if you didn't want to, you know, if you do the... It, it adjusts for inflation. 150 bucks to not get the needle—that's not so bad at all. But he was like, "Dude, this is just un-American." So let's get back to the Constitution, and I'm going to fight this in court. Um, it was—it was getting pretty bad. Um, I, you know, if if you look at the thumbnail of this video, um, it is a picture of a certificate of a protect a certificate of protection from smallpox. Um, so they were actually doing needle passports back in 19... Oh, what's the date here? 1901. This was a 1901 uh, needle passport, Certificate of Protection from Smallpox. And this, this particular gentleman had to fill this out to say that, yes, he has received the needle um, just to go from Cuba into um, Louisiana. So... That was happening. Um, so, so this this man, Mr. Jacobson, the Swedish immigrant who wanted to have the American liberty he thought he would have when he became a U.S. citizen, he it, he, it led to the case known as Jacobson versus Massachusetts. Jacobson's lawyers argued that the the Cambridge, Massachusetts needle order was a violation of their client's 14th Amendment rights, which forbade the state from depriving any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. At question then was whether the right to refuse the needle was among those protections, um, those protected personal liberties. The Supreme Court sadly rejected Jacobson's argument and dealt the anti-needle movement a stinging loss. Writing for the majority, Justice uh, Justice John Marshall Harlan acknowledged the fundamental importance of personal liberty, but also recognized that the rights of the individual in respect to his liberty may at times, under the pressure of great dangers, be subjected to such restraints to be enforced by reasonable regulations as the safety of the general public may demand. So... Uh, The decision established what became known as the reasonableness test. The government had the authority to pass laws that restricted individual liberty if those restrictions, including the punishment for violating them, were found by the court to be a reasonable means for achieving a public good. So it's it's the question of public good. Now, the big argument in, in America right now is if the needle works then you're you're all good, you know, for each person who wants to make sure they're good. It's up to them to have the needle or not individual liberty. But in 1905, it was the question of the public good versus your individual liberty and that you needed to sacrifice some of your individual liberty in order to protect the full group. And that is exactly the question we are dealing with today: um, the question of public health, and what a slippery slope that is. Uh, it says here: bottom line, there had to be some kind of real and substantial connection between the lot itself and a legitimate purpose, which was the public's health, safety, and welfare said Anthony Sanders in the at the Institute for Justice. By the way, I'm I'm reading from the history.com article, um, from History Channel, which is linked in the description of this video or description of this YouTube video. So so basically Jacobson and the other anti needle people had to just pay the fine and go on with their lives. And soon the small smallpox um, outbreak went away. But the precedent set in 1905 in the United States led to compulsory school needles and then forced sterilization in the 1920s. So in 1922, the Supreme Court heard another needle case, this time concerning a Texas student named Rosalind Zucht who was barred from attending public school because she had not gotten it in the arm. And again, she argued in court that this was a violation of her 14th amendment rights. Uh, She, she argued that she was denied uh, equal protection of the law as guaranteed by the fourth amendment and the Supreme court in 1922 struck down her rights by using the precedent of 1905 with the smallpox uh, case um, and so so she had to get the needle just to go to public school now fortunately as someone seeking education you do still have the right of, of either private school or homeschool okay so there's still there's still some liberty but um the, these, uh, these needle precedents are just very, very controversial things. So, yeah, it says the Supreme Court disagreed with her, forced her to get the needle in order to attend public school. Then we entered a far darker chapter as these precedents continued. In a far darker chapter, the Jacobson decision from 1905 also d- uh, provided judicial cover For a Virginia law that authorized the involuntary sterilization of, quote, feeble-minded individuals in state mental institutions. In the 1920s, eugenics enjoyed wide support in scientific and medical circles and the Supreme Court justices were not immune. In the infamous 1927 case, Buck versus Bell, the Supreme Court acknowledged the questionable facts presented in the lower court cases that a young Virginia woman named Carrie Bell hailed from a long line of quote, mental defectives whose offspring were a burden on public welfare. The principle that sustains compulsory, I almost said the viewer quote, the principle that sustains compulsory needles is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. This is a quote from the Supreme court in 1927 quote, the principle that sustains compulsory needles is broad enough to cover cutting the fallopian tubes. Three generations of imbeciles are enough wrote Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes in A Chilling Opinion.
2: Ok oh.
1: FighterFlare.com.
4: Three generations of imbeciles, said the Supreme Court justice, are enough. So your body, your choice? Nope. We're going to slice those fallopian tubes and no more kids for you because we as justices decided your brain's not bright enough. That's how it was in 1927. That is pretty, pretty alarming. 1927, you know, uh, Hitler took over Germany in 1933. So this was the culture, not just in in Germany, but in the United States, uh, of this idea of of eugenics and like superior races and inferior races and and, uh, preventing certain people from procreating. Um, That is the opposite of individual liberty. And that is where we found ourselves in the United States in 1927. And they used they used that initial needle mandate of 1920, uh, 1905 to make that happen. It says the Buck decision opened the floodgates and by 1930, a total of 24 states had passed involuntary sterilization laws and around 60,000 women were ultimately sterilized under these statutes in ni- by 1930 60,000 women were prevented from procreating because the government decided they weren't good enough to procreate this was the united states how dark is that and why didn't i learn about this in school i'm just glad the U S got over that. And I'm wondering if it was because immediately after that, America saw how far Hitler took this idea. Of course, for Hitler, the feeble minded people were the Jews. And so he went so far as to mass exterminate, uh, you know, 6 million people. And, That's when America got a slap in the face about how dark and evil that was and that, hey, maybe we might be going down that same path. And so uh, eventually, um, those policies in the United States were done away with. So here we are, uh, here we are in the 21st century. Uh, and, and is, is this the 1905 of, of the 21st century where now it's the, you know, we're back to the needle mandates to prevent a an outbreak. And is that going to lead to much more creepy, much more creepy um, precedents? And will we be able to c- recover from uh, the slippery slope of government control that we went down? Um, so... It says a lot changed since 1905, including the ways in which the Supreme Court decided if certain laws and statutes vi- violate an individual's constitutional rights. Starting in the second half of the 20th century, the Court began to recognize certain constitutional rights as fundamental, including the freedoms of speech and religion, and personal decisions about marriage, contraception, and procreation. Well, thank God! Near the beginning of near the beginning of the ninth, uh, of the uh, The new illness um, outbreak of of 2020, as states issued lockdown orders that closed businesses and prohibited large gatherings, several judges justified those restrictions by citing Jacobson versus Massachusetts 1905 again. Uh, So a lot of people in 2020 lost their businesses because of that Jacobson Supreme Court decision of 1905. Isn't that crazy? Um, They they cited that since it was the most recent Supreme Court ruling explicitly addressing state powers during a disease uh, outbreak, uh, even if it was 115 years old. But in a reversal, the Supreme Court ruled in 2020 against broadly applying the logic of Jacobson to all of the lockdown restrictions in Roman Catholic Diocese of Brooklyn, New York versus Andrew Cuomo. The court decided that the state of New York violated the constitutional rights of citizens wanting to safely gather in churches and synagogues during the pandemic. The reasoning was that the lockdown laws barred religious gatherings altogether while still allowing secular businesses to operate in limited capacities. It was so weird. Do you guys remember that? Like you would stop by Walmart and Walmart would just be packed. You know, like, oh, maybe there's little dots stickered on the floor of, like, where you're supposed to stand and walk. But who cared? It was packed. And then uh, the church would be banished. <laughs> you're not allowed to enter a church at all, but you can pack out Walmart. It was fascinating. My sisters were looking for jobs. I was like, apply out Walmart. They're definitely hiring. Um, They are locked and loaded but if you're a smaller version of walmart a corner store you're not allowed to be open uh, so is is that cronyism did cronyism really take over you know the rubbing shoulders of the giant corporations and the government and the government saying okay yeah yeah if you're big enough corporation who's best buddies with us who has special agreements with us in the government then you get to keep your business like walmart open where our whereas where small Smaller corner stores or uh, churches have to be locked up. Pretty, pretty sad. Uh, So now we get to good old Justice Neil Gorsuch. And he actually, he was, um, he handled this case of 2020. uh, And and he cites Jacobson of of 1905. He says here, Jacobson hardly supports cutting the Constitution loose during during, uh, an outbreak. Jacobson hardly supports cutting the Constitution loose during an outbreak, wrote Justice Neil Gorsuch for the 5-4 to majority. That decision involved an entirely different mode of analysis, an entirely different right, and an entirely different kind of restriction. So, yeah, he said, yeah, we cannot, we can't just use Jacobson for just widespread violation of the Constitution in favor of of emergencies, emergency orders. And, you know, this just keeps reminding me of, of the uh, coming of the third Reich, you know, when the, when the third Reich of, of 1933 first began um, that was, that was after Germany got hit hard by the great depression and there was there was a lot of different chaos, and the, there were these battling political parties. There were way too many political parties. They were all splintered and and um, fighting with each other. There were riots in the streets where people died. And every time there was like any sort of catastrophe, the president the president would use that opportunity for another. Um, uh, executive order basically that violated the constitution, the Reichstag of Germany. Um, And he would always use the excuse of, of emergencies, emergency, this emergency, that, and the president of Germany at the time was this 80 something year old senile guy whose brain could hardly work. Right. It's just so reminiscent of America right now. And Hitler saw the chaos and, you know, just saw opportunity for himself to take over and shred Germany's constitutional Republic and create a dictatorship. And that is exactly what he did. And uh, we just don't want that to happen in the United States, but there was the Reichstag fire of 1933, which reminds me way too much of January 6th in the United States and um, if you go back to the Nuremberg testimony at Nuremberg and things, it appears that the Reichstag fire may have actually been a setup uh, by the Nazis and they acted like it was civilian Germans who were trying to create an insurrection. Yeah, insurrection is the word used in the history books. Um, it, it appeared that they set this uh, federal building on fire in, in an act of insurrection, but it may have actually been a fake uh, false flag or, or a fake no, uh, Nazi set up fire. And J- Hitler used that like none other as an opportunity to strip away everyone's liberties. That's He used that fire at the building to shut down the free press. He said, we're just going to shut down the press for a few months while we figure out, um, make sure we have order in our nation because right now there's way too much uh, propaganda or as they would say in America these days, misinformation. Oh, there's too much misinformation in our papers and on the radio right now. So we're going to shut down the free press in Germany just for a few months to make sure that nobody gets triggered or gets ideas or or like create, creates plans for more insurrection, um, by being able to freely communicate with each other. And then we'll, we'll bring back the free press in a few months. Well, the free press never came back until world war two was over. And so we just don't want that to happen in the U S okay we do not want, There's. A, there were already members of Congress who were trying to argue in, that January 6th was a reason to limit some of our free press. And uh, and that was really concerning to see, and thankfully, America really seemed to, to reject that idea. So I don't think uh, America is as far gone right now as, as Germany was in 1933. And, you know, hopefully we we look at Germany right now, um, as, as an example, hopefully Americans educate themselves right now, um, and learn from history. So they don't, we don't repeat history, but, um, anyway, this whole, this whole, uh, needle talk brings us, this comes full circle from 1905 to 2021 when once against there there are lawsuits, um, in federal court now, um, arguing for the opportunity to make up your own mind about a needle rather than being forced into it. Um, and Mr. Jacobson fought hard for bodily autonomy in 1905 and lost. You just had to pay a fine. So he did not, Jacobson did not have to get it in the arm, but he still lost money, lost some of his hard earned money because the government said he had to get in the arm. Um, You know, and so that was, that was a stripping away of liberty in the early 1900s. And then some liberty was returned. And now we're going back to, to the fight down the slippery slope in the loss of liberty. And will, will some liberty be returned? Will this just be a phase that we work through in American history in 2021? Hopefully, hopefully it doesn't go slipping all the way down like, uh, like uh, Hitler took it. We shall see. Time will tell. How's everyone doing? Let's read these um read these comments. You said here the Third Reich got a lot of support from press and financiers here in the US. Well looking at looking at how Americans loved eugenics in in 1930, I'm not surprised. I mean that was just stunning to read. That 60,000 American women were forced to sterilize themselves because the government decided their brains weren't intelligent enough. So, uh, it is, you're talking about the Bush family ties to Germany. Oddly, uh, this was never spoken of during any election. I know, right? Like, the older I get, the more I'm like, I'm like wow, like the keeping of, of, like keeping secret of, you know, what's not spoken. Is is most important. It's not necessarily that the press is always lying. It's what they're not saying. It's what the the truths that they're they're suppressing that is so um, concerning. Um, the greatest failure of the U.S. is the diverse fifty states. You said you, you're saying um, just the ability of each state to be so different than another state could, could be hurting us as a nation. Hmm. That's an interesting thought. I mean, that part of what led to the downfall of Germany was the splintering of all of its, of its, uh, political parties. Um, you know, you had the social Democrats, the, the, so you had the social Democrats, you had the, um, communists, you had the Republicans, you had the, national social, socialists whose nickname was nazi so nazi is actually short for national Socialist. um and then you had all kinds of other ones there was what like 17 political parties in germany so every election it, it the vote would be so splintered nobody would ever have a majority um which actually opened the door for hitler to take over without ever having the majority because the whole nation was so splintered against itself. And, and um, it appeared that most Germans at the time were very concerned about the Nazi party. Um, Their, um, their love of just brutality um, and, and just, just vicious, violent forced oppression concerned a lot of people. And, but everyone was warring with themselves so much the, like the national socialists uh, or the social Democrats thought the communists were the worst thing ever and vice versa. And so those guys were fighting with each other and uh, it allowed the national socialists to just slip right in there and take everyone else down. So if we all splinter against each other, that's going to lead to more opportunity for a tyrant to rise up above all of us. And we don't want to repeat that. Um, okay. Comments. You're saying, I totally believe the FBI had a role in one six. Anything else is garbage. Yeah. Yep. You're saying, um, do you not feel the press is the least free it has been in more than a century? You're asking. Um, yeah, the press, um, the press is is free right now, but it's very compromised by sp- special interests. We're dealing with a crony press right now. Um, so we have a few a few um, corporations that have a huge monopoly on the press, and they are in in bed with their special is- interests in the government and and the people that they cover. They're they're just in bed with and. Because they have such a monopoly of of eyeballs on them that they're able to get away with a lot of propaganda right now. But the free press is still alive, and we're seeing um, all these um, alternative media sources pop up. We're seeing um, independent journalism like never before. There's a huge opportunity for it. Uh, the market is wide open for it, and ind- independent journalists—here's mm-hmm. a secret—are making way more money than corporate journalists. And more people are going to mm-hmm. catch on to this and ditch the corporate media because the American people are looking for truth in alternative places. You're saying just like me, just like me guys. Did you know my, my income increased when I left Fox? That's the, that's amazing. I was going to say dirty secret, but brilliant secret that corp- corporate journalists need to drop their fear. I think there's a lot of good people in cor- corporate journalism who are controlled by fear they don't think they'll be as good off if they're not they don't have the cushion of a corporation and look i felt the same way i was scared but i took the leap of faith in order to stay loyal to to the truth to my values to to individual liberty and it has it has so far paid off I and mean, it's still very scary each day because it's like i'm well i'm all on my own if if i don't do things right it's all on me I don't have a corporation looking after me. I don't have a corporate boss pushing me. It's just me. But we are seeing such a diversity of media pop up. And yes, it is hard times. Yes. We're seeing, we're seeing every, every bit of opposition to the independent journalism that we could think of. My there, there's you, can't even imagine the number of cyber attacks on my new independent journalism website, ivoryhecker.com, which is linked in the description of this video. I cover everything that the, that the media uh, doesn't cover, that the social media outlets suppress and delete. It's on my independent journalism website. And I'm using a, a server that believes in individual uh, liberty and free press And this is the same web server that a lot of independent journalists are using to successfully disseminate their stories. And so this server is a really valuable asset to the, in the free press right now. And so cyber attacks are coming against it constantly, but so far we are standing strong, but who is committing these cyber attacks? It's very interesting. I don't know. I don't know, but fingers are crossed that the free press will, will uh, prevail And, um, thank God for alternative social media outlets. You know, YouTube is right now the biggest audience still. So that's why a lot of people are still using YouTube to get to other people. But I do have links to my alternative social media in my description. And, um, and if we can eventually migrate off of, of these big platforms, that would be, that would be great, you know, and just totally activate the free market by, um, Proving to uh, corporations like you, like YouTube, Facebook, um, and Twitter, that if if you believe in extreme suppression of the information that the general public is interested in, then the general public will just stop using using you, and you'll actually lose profit. That's the beauty of the free market. That it, it basically demands that the public get what it wants; otherwise, the the, the business is going to go out of business. So um do you think we have lost the country and the dems will keep cheating to win elections I don't know if I should have read your question out loud because YouTube doesn't like to talk about the word cheating but you know um that is anyone's guess because look as a corporate media member in 2020 I became aware of many concerning anomalies in our election, whether they be apparent errors or straight up F word. Can I say fraud? I'm going to say fraud on YouTube. Was it fraud? I became aware of all of these. I pitched these stories to my bosses. Our viewers were buzzing about these questions. And our my bosses just adamantly rejected these story pitches saying, we do not want to unnecessarily concern our viewers over, over the election. It could discourage people from going to, to vote. Excuse me. It, it was the most manipulative, strange way of turning down stories. So as, as a newsroom insider watching the propaganda machine, decide in 2020 that there is no such thing as as any error that could ever happen in, in an election that elections are always perfect after after 2016 when they were all a buzz about oh elections are so flawed and then in 2020 no they're perfect like the propaganda machine was insane the rejection of of factual evidence that I was presenting to say well, the viewers deserve to see this and know why these unregistered people from outside of Texas with no address, no voter ID, are voting in Texas. The viewers deserve to know that. The viewers deserve to know and hear from, from the Texas um, Secretary of State's Office investigators about why they rejected that voting machine company that starts with a D in January of 2020 after a thorough investigation of those machines and said, in Texas, we re- refuse to have such a flawed machine in our state, while other, other states made the different decision. Why did Texas know, what was it about those machines that Texas noted were so flawed that they would not allow that machine company in Texas? And we have the documentation of that signed off by the secretaries of state's office in January of 2020. And my bosses said, we do not want our viewers to know about that. Why? So is there is there a problem with the media? Is there a problem with elections? I 100% believe hundred percent as a corporate news insider of nine years, who has just gone independent this year, hundred percent believe that. So we, time will tell, you know, time will tell if the propaganda machine wins out or if we can trust our elections again. But you know what? All of you guys, it would be a crying shame if you throw in the towel about elections and just don't even show up at the polls next year. You're asking to forfeit your country. If you do that, So stay involved and don't, don't throw in the towel and give up and, and we'll see how, how this story ends. All right. Let me know what else you guys want me to, to report on and talk about. And until next time, enjoy your Halloween and we'll see you very soon. All the best.